This podcast is brought to you by All Things Film, the web's premier collection of independent movie and TV related podcasts. For more, check out www.allthingsfilm.co.uk or search All Things Film on iTunes, Stitcher or TuneIn Radio. Gentlemen, let's broaden our minds. Lawrence. Welcome, welcome, faithful listener, to episode 68 of the Films and Swear movie podcast. I am your host, Stu, and today with me we have the Swedish prince of podcasts, Kenneth Brosen. Hello, hello. Thank you for having me back. And goddammit, I wasn't on the episode 69, nooch. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, who are you reserving 69 for? It's going to be me and Mass Movie Side UK's Trevor Farley. Right on. Are you going to do anything special for 69 or like a, no, something it's... immature for an hour? Unfortunately not, because it's going to have to be connected to the film we're talking about today. Right, okay, gotcha. Well, I'm, so, I'm, I suppose I shouldn't recommend uh, that like the the leads in this movie uh, perform as, as a paedophile. Yeah, maybe we might miss the woodsman out this week. Exactly. For for sixty nine, you can skip the woodsman, but hey, <laughs> like there's always a chance you're gonna get get back to Kevin Bacon because you all know the game. Like the, exactly. how many degrees of Kevin Bacon you 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 you're gonna get back to him on like seventy again. Mm-hmm. So uh, every week we watch one film, we break it down, we build it up, we look at the facts and the figures, and we choose a connecting film for our next episode. But before all that, how's Ken? I'm very good. Thank you very much. Uh, I was delighted to be uh, guesting uh, last week. Uh, no one really invites me to to, to anything or a podcast, so <laughs> so it was nice to kick back, watch something that wasn't Asian for once, and uh, see mm-hmm. how like the f- creative flow worked with something Western. It, it worked absolutely fine. I thought we had a jolly good discussion. Not a lot of swearing, I noticed. Like so, 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 so I gotta step it up. Like uh, I'm gonna mm-hmm. inject a fucking within single words. Aye. Like, like they, fan they, fucking tastic. Exactly, they'd be a cunt. Like, just <laughs> let it all flow out. Like, deaf cunting sentence or something like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> like, is that how it works? No. <laughs> um, for me, I made a, a cunting of a cheese toasty. Right on, okay. Which doesn't sound as appetite when I announced it that way, but I basically made the ultimate cheese and bacon toasty. Right on, good. Is that uh, in your wheelhouse or is that like a one first-time experiment, this? A first-time experiment. I'd seen it. um, Some people make it the other week. It was basically uh, strips of bacon, cheese toast in the middle, then strips of bacon on top, then cook it in butter and maple syrup. Right. So, (laughs) like, you're going to see a doctor tomorrow then? Like, (laughs) to check your levels? (laughs) So, yes, we did basically cook a block of bacon... (laughs) With a cheese toasty in the center. And now I get the connection. Like, I'm really slow that way. I'm very old, as you know. Like, aha! Yeah. Uh, now I get what Stuart was aiming the, for. Like a themed meal before the podcast. Coincidence. Let's put it that way. <laughs> I'm not that meta. Like, this week we eat bacon. And hopefully you won't die. 
like because yes. the movie involves kind of, you know, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well maybe I was giving myself a death, death sentence as I bit into the maple syrup covered bacon cheese toasty the water death <laughs> water death it is what a way to go <laughs> stroked out on bacon right on so yes I am feeling pretty horrible today <laughs> after carrying a brick of fat and cheese and sugar it should have been a nice, uh, sounded like a nice food coma, at least. Like, for a while. Like, yes. Ah. <laughs> now how do you expect me to chase after two children? <laughs> Cats can take care of children for at least one night. Exactly. Daddy's got meat sweats. <laughs> <laughs> we hear you. We hear you, master. We got this. So, uh, our film today, of course, is Death Sentence. If you have not seen Death Sentence... This is your spoiler warning for our episode. Do you always do this? Like, uh, do you always go 100%? I'm trying to get into the habit of using this. And that's what you get from playing on the phone. It will stutter. But but do you like always, uh, like, it depends on the movie, kind of, in terms of like... uh, Uh, Definitely, you always kind of throw a spoiler warning out there. Right. Because we we will probably tend to spoil the best bits. Right. But aye, we just want to get that out there. If you have not seen Death Sentence, now's the time to turn off the podcast and watch it. I'm not sure how you could watch it because it doesn't seem to be that widely available. Yeah, well, for for the Netflix thing, it's in a couple of regions, but not UK, like uh, like Sweden, maybe some of the Nordic countries, and maybe mm. some of the South American uh, countries and what have you, but not uh, UK Netflix. But it, it's on disc, like it's not a rare movie. It's exactly. not. A, it's like it's not like they shot on video indie for ten bucks mm-hmm. or anything. It, it's a proper movie, so it's out there. Yep. So the film is directed by James Wan, director of Saw. Insidious, The Conjuring, Fast and Furious 7. And I think he is also tapped to direct the Aquaman superhero movie. So, like, like, a, like do, have, you, have you been a fan of him as, uh, like I haven't, to, to be short about it, I haven't been a fan of his as a horror director and this, like, because he's now slotted into, except for the carport movie of course but uh, like he's he's like been slotted into horror for such a long time so that, that's why i like when death mm-hmm. sentence appeared like here's something different and without spoiling all of my thoughts it shows that james kind of likes doing death sentence uh, in, instead mm-hmm. of like another horror movie yeah i have from his work i think all the ones i really enjoyed was insidious mm-hmm. and maybe saw like compared to the other saw movies like there's a good contrast. Like I think the first one was more story driven, of of like the twenty that they made. I always thought Saw. I I, I was, yeah. I saw two and three. I think as well. So Saw one is kind of superior, but I always thought Saw would have been better as like a forty five to an, to an hour short movie because I didn't think it could uh, like carry ninety minutes. Uh, I I would have been all for like. 90 minutes in that room though like i i like those kind Aye. of movies that are so micro you know what i mean like mm. these uh like buried that was a good fan of, a great fan of buried and stephen dorf did one movie where he was like uh, captured in the trunk of a car for 90 minutes right like, i i like those concepts but so i it didn't maintain my interest as such and like when they made an additional eight or nine of them i was like 
I have no interest <laughs> personally. Like, like, well, it's commercial, man. I, I, and he wasn't involved in all of them anyway. Maybe one or yeah. two, two. I don't know. Aye. So the movie stars Kevin Bacon, Garrett Hedlund, Kelly Preston, Jordan Garrett, Stuart Lafferty, Aisha Tyler, and John Goodman. Mm-hmm. Ken, tell me, what is Death Sentence all about? Well, the plot from IMDb goes as follows. Nick Hume, played by Kevin Bacon, is a mild-mannered executive with a perfect life until one gruesome night where he witnesses something that changes him forever. Transformed by grief, Hume eventually comes to the disturbing conclusion that no length is too great when protecting his family. Like, I think we will spoil what happens, but that's like the non-spoiler plot. So, like, you're still yeah. good, listeners. You're still good, but get out now, essentially. <laughs> <laughs> Aye. So, Ken, uh, briefly, what did you think of the film? It's pretty damn solid. Um, up until, essentially, the finale, where I think it uh, transforms into, from a good vigilante revenge thriller in the vein of Death Wish. And it actually has some Death Wish connections but Mm -hmm. the the finale for a while kind of took me out of the movie but nonetheless an effective little um, vigilante thriller that doesn't try to do too much with like depth and all of that it's a pretty decent ride uh dark ride and violent ride Mm -hmm. yeah i i that was first of me watching it yesterday so it was it was wasn't as bad as i think i was gonna expect from it really I I was for some reason I, I didn't have high hopes for it. Because I'm not sure. Ken recommended it. <laughs> for some reason, it's, I thought maybe just because it was from James Wan's wheelhouse, and the fact that when I remember it being advertised originally, like it was all to do with Saw. Yeah, it's like a, I don't know if it came after Dead Silence or not, but it's like in same year as Dead Silence, like the. The, yeah. the creepy uh, the creepy puppet kind of horror movie I, I wasn't a great fan of that either to be honest uh, so uh, mm-hmm. like like um, but I think it was the same year uh, correct me if I'm wrong Stuart or listeners mm-hmm. so I was like, I was probably why I waited up until now to watch it and never seemed that appealing but yeah I was I was almost impressed there's always a lore for me in the revenge template like you you can mm-hmm. keep it simple and be very effective about it because the nature of revenge is messy mm-hmm. and once you turn your back on essentially life to sound really pretentious here like and lose yourself into revenge like that cycle of revenge like you're you're lost already but uh, it, it's always it, it conjures up some thoughts i suppose without being this thinking man's Piece, I suppose, but uh, mm-hmm. it's it's uh, it's like it's not empty on thoughts, but it doesn't like stop the movie to contemplate it for twenty minutes or anything. Aye, because that's it. That, that all kind of kicks off with the fact that, uh, well, we get these home movies to begin with. Like we kind of get like to watch how this family is growing. Uh, get to see the two boys growing up, mm-hmm. uh, birthdays, New Year's, uh, the older boy winning trophies, and get to see like. How they've raised them. So I guess that's it, right? They're making their emotional ties there. Yeah, the good times before the bad times are going to hit us really quickly. Like, because it doesn't take like half an hour or 40 minutes for anything dark to happen. It's like James Wan, like, kicks the movie into gear pretty pretty damn quickly which is good like i was it almost felt like a montage to me in a way like like Mm. it's really quickly but it's a hundred minute movie like 
how's this gonna work but uh, like the running time was never an issue for me despite it moving so quickly into like the horrible uh, death that's gonna occur exactly because like in that opening 10 minutes like we're seeing his uh, son getting his throat slit in a well not really slit just kind of getting his throat cut with like a, a machete yeah, it's um, indeed a, uh, there's an in- initiation murder, not a robbery way that he walks into, but like an init- random initiation murder that's pretty damn um, horrible as a fault. Uh, I wanted to ask you, I think we touched upon this last week, my uh, hatred for computer-generated blood. Yes. How did you think the blood looked in this one if you think of the store clerk getting his whole stomach shot out yes, do, you, I, do you think that it's practical or cg that was that looked very cg but very good cg if so I, I i think the squib is too big for anyone to like, uh, uh, like everything from his chin to his balls was blown off <laughs> exactly but you know what i found it's i can add this to that very minute list of movies that, if so, utilizes good computer-generated gore. Because I, I couldn't see this awfully pasted-on effect that's usually the case mm. with computer-generated gore. Like, darkness is, covers it, yeah. Uh, but uh, I, I thought the violence in general, when it was CG, was very well done. Especially for a small movie, too. Yeah. This is not a high-budget movie. I'm guessing... You're going to cover this later, I suppose. I'm just going to guess now. At tops, I think this is maybe a $5 million movie. Uh, When I was looking into it, I don't think the budget details were uh, readily available. We'll have a little look when we get to that point. But um, that that CG shot actually kind of... To be honest, I don't think there was too many, like, computer shots in this at all. Like, a lot of the violence... Uh, doesn't call for giant backlashes of blood. Exactly. Like uh, uh, stabbings, uh, cutaway shots of people falling to death in a car. Yeah. Like it's not a case of the car hitting the ground and then blood splats out all the windows. Oh, oh um, that would have been awful. Like, uh, <laughs> like literally, come on, really? There, like we know that guy got crushed, but you don't need to make it a like a. You don't need to make it like he was a po- the camera. Exactly, three D. Death sentence, three D. Mm. So. Uh, aye, it basically, the kid fucks up that does the initiation as his gang decide to be dicks and leave him there and then essentially gets run over by a car. Yeah, that's probably a computer-generated stunt, but it yes. still looks good. It could have looked like such a light, wobbly thing like CG sometimes does, but it had weight to it. And mm. like I've heard people discuss like the recent Terminator movie for its like lack of weight to the effects and CG versus like for instance T two that yeah. like made it more weighty. But um, yeah, yeah, I, I totally dug that. And like it, it, there's a sound style in this movie. Like it, it has a calm style, but could can switch to. And I was actually impressed by this to handheld for various chaos yeah, like the hospital shots, yeah like you you rarely see handheld work well like you have the hospital chaos initially when he wakes up you have mm-hmm. some violent scenes that are shot handheld and i gotta tell you Stuart, maybe it's after 2007 sometimes when when just handheld well 
like ballistic and everybody started doing it poorly because it looks excellent i was never confused about where i was i was not getting an instant headache like you always hear the bourne movies being singled out as poor in this regard i i don't know about that but handheld mm-hmm. is normally like the kiss of death but there's so many things in death sentence that are well made like um yeah. like, like maybe because it is low budget like there's no stupid studio head looking over the director's shoulder like yeah you gotta do this because uh, the kids will like when it's all handheld and crap mm-hmm. so, so 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 there seems to be freedom here to um to be its own kind of thing yeah because that's it when we get to see uh kevin bacon take justice into his own hands because right we know that the older son gets killed in the beginning yep and that was my first thought of the movie was basically that his whole family got wiped out and he was the one that lived, and then that's him out for revenge. But it plays out differently. Like, it's the 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 prodigal son dies. Yep. The younger son resents the fact that he's lived. And the mum just gets on with it. Yeah, it, it's kind of the aftermath, which is a, a nice change. Like, it doesn't switch into revenge persona immediately and goes on mm. ram- rambo on us like it uh it, it takes a while i mean it, it's the whole court case where they can't bring the guy who did it to proper justice like they, they have a deal on the table where it says like we can put him away for a couple of years uh, because he wasn't really like like a witness to the degree where he was in the same uh, where he was in the store kevin bacon so they they don't have like firm evidence and he decides to at the court has to say that he did not see clearly who Aye. it was. It's a wee and... bit dark. Aye. He basically lets him go so he can take justice into his own hands. But but he doesn't switch. That, that's the clever part of any vigilante movie. Even Death Wish does this, the Charles Bronson movie. Like, he he is a, he doesn't turn into Rambo initially, but he's more driven by this, like, primal revenge. Like, when he confronts the guy at the in the alleyway he's not like i'm gonna kill you now but he's he's distraught yeah. and he kind of he doesn't even have a weapon with him he like he mm. decides to do it with his own hands because he's just driven by that grief and got a revenge but i'm grieving like it's it's very i wouldn't say super realistic but i appreciated that rather than him launching it to like we don't get it like a commando montage where mm. he, like he Get, oh, get, gets his gun <laughs> well but he, he doesn't like suit up until way later in the movie where shit's ah, on and definitely. he has nothing to lose by, by that point so there's a good like escalation in, mm. in his persona and of course uh, John Goodman shows up as basically looks like the guy in charge of the, the, the group of gangbangers yeah he seems like a head dealer of sorts like he's dishing stuff out to the kids and he's not happy with the returns it's weird it's actually like I'm not okay let's say that death sentence isn't the high point in the careers of Kevin Bacon or John Goodman no but they're they're veteran phases man like uh, by this point I mean Goodman is a, a, a few years older than Kevin Bacon I just assume yes and uh like they they bring veteran presence like without uh, um like they're not phoning it in at all like like I, like it just looks good... a little bit r- like rough around the edges like it doesn't look to be in his i was gonna say fair shape but uh, we are talking about john goodman like i think since then 
he's coming looking a lot cleaner than he has. Yeah, he's he's lost a fair amount of weight. I think like post Red State, he's lost uh, like um I, because that's the only movie after this I remember him being in. Mm. So I, I think he's lost a fair amount of uh, weight. Um, like because he looks quite sweaty and part of me, but yeah, flabby, flabby. But uh, you part know. of me thinking like some of it could be in the character, like because everyone kind of has that. I'm not sure if it was filmed in a place with a hotter climate, but they do kind of have like that glisten. Like that sweat to them and there's always like a fan going in the background and like they are working like well it's drugs and guns but he does come around looking awfully sluggish yeah he, he mostly most of his scenes are like either sitting down or he's walking around a little bit like he's in three scenes in a movie essentially yeah. so like but, but it's, a, it's like a, you you kind of like him as a comfort presence, I suppose. Oh, and, definitely. Uh, like, like John uh, fucking Goodman. Yeah, I mean, you know, also like uh, growing up with John Goodman, to see him tackle serious personas was like a surprise to me because I grew up kind of watching Roseanne and stuff like not King Ralph. Well, not Flintstones really, but uh, like uh, King Ralph is one of that that I remember quite a lot from the early 90s uh, where like uh, it was... It was surprising, therefore, to see him turn up in a Coen Brothers movie and things like that. But yeah. he's obviously a super talented actor and uh, could, could do anything. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, aye, so when it comes to the point where obviously Kevin Bacon sticks that kid in the alleyway, thinks that's enough. But obviously the gang caught wind of it. And it, it was just so coincidental the fact that obviously he, he was witnessed killing the boy or, or being seen at the, the scene of the crime yeah. by like a girl passing yeah. <laughs> I just thought it was so hokey when like the gangbangers were sitting at the table saying right eh, has anyone got any anything at all on this and the guy's like hey man my sister saw like some guy in a suit and the main boy's like did it was it this guy gets him the paper he's like go find out I was expecting him to get on his bike drive away he stands up and like, oi! And his sister happens to be working in that very bar. Yeah, there's a, there's, there's a couple <laughs> like of Instant movie, confirmation. Yeah, there's a couple of movie tropes here that I kind of far-fetched. I have one later on in, in the film as well I'm going to mm. bring up. But uh, it, it's like, it, it's 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 fine. But as it's how it's made, like it's very, in a way, commercially made. And like the beats are very clear. Exactly like you just described with the, ah. like the characters in the bar IDing him and drawing like conclusions immediately and that like that dolly in on Garrett Hedlund's face it's to emphasize that it's kind of it's it's not made for old fogies this yes. movie but like it's made in a way that it's supposed to be general audience appeal and therefore you gotta have a snap and clarity and some movie tropes and coincidences are I suppose are to be forgiven in a way, but 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 I totally reacted the same way. Well, that's that that's good. Otherwise, they'd be sitting there like anyone's got anything. Aye. Right. Well, twenty minutes later, tick 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 tick. Anyone got anything? Nope. Mm-hmm. Taking their phones. <laughs> uh, well, that's it. From this point, uh, he comes like he gets cornered by the gang, and this is when we do like where I've noted the great camera work of. Oh yeah. Kevin Bacon, like, running up this multi-story car park. But it's just how he's uh, jumping from a car to the gap to reach the next level, and the camera just fluidly just follows him around it. It's just so, like, natural. It's almost as if 
like in the sense that he had a selfie stick harnessed to his chest <laughs> so it would just fluently follow him like a ghost everywhere he went but this was some boy with a camera it's it, it's all it's very good and also like uh, james wan doesn't decide to do cuts to you know garrett headland and fellas chasing him but we the camera changes floors mm-hmm. to like see that we have simultaneous events going on here and i i thought that was really clever it's not lazy low budget where they can't afford to do two shots and they were forced to make one by by changing the floors uh like to focus on the floors from one to another with the camera Mm. i thought that was uh really like um clever uh, like simultaneous uh, events going on there and uh, and and like even like the top uh the fight at the top of the parking garage which is like unfortunately his car kevin bacon's car is parked at the top so he yeah. needs to get there but like even that fight that leads to the whole car stunt is shot with a handheld camera but i gotta tell you Stuart, i thought that was another example of i'm totally aware exactly of what is going on here like the mm-hmm. stunt coordinating and the action directing is like caught very well with even a handheld shaky camera and since it's so rare today i'm so impressed mm-hmm. when we can follow the flow despite chaos being uh like communicated with the camera in this case so i i, I thought like the whole chase and uh, the final demise of another gang member is very very well done for a low budget movie especially yeah definitely and i because i was at like from the outcome of that scene, of course, the gangbanger, like, <laughs> clearly his neck goes snap as the car goes over the edge, uh, but Bacon leaves his briefcase behind. Yeah, he threw it earlier in the, the alley because he was, like, running with the briefcase. Like it, exactly. It, it, it sort of would slow him down. It's a long-ass chase, too, but um, I, I, really, I, I like that he, um, the character, he's not, he's, he can't take care of himself as it turns out. Like, but mm-hmm. he, like he's not a superhero, even in the scene we just described with the car going over. Like he just um, manages to fight back and like uh, escape just uh, as the car goes over and all of that. So I think throughout James Wan is doing the clever thing of not making him super heroic or anything. Like he manages to get by yeah. by by kind of thinking on his feet. Uh, he's and... not like accountant slash like MMA trainee exactly wait a second law by day octagon by night exactly that that would be that would have been like a more 80s template like a golden globus movie like a charles bronson like a chuck norris movie where like a regular joe by day and then when something Mm. happens like like now now the guns are coming out like he keeps it fairly realistic but it's uh it's it's good because he he's not done with drama either. James Wan. It's not all action. Like he switches between drama and action. Mm-hmm. So now that obviously the gang knows who he is, where his family members, where they live, like he finally calls in the police, and <laughs> you think right they're safe. They've got police protection at the door. It cuts to the shot of two cops going. Yep, gonna be a long night. Next shot, throat slit. Yeah, there's uh, that gang is uh, just lethal ninjas. beyond belief, like ninjas indeed. Like they're just lethal beyond beliefs, and like, like I, I, I was almost afraid. I don't know how you felt, like because these gang members are so 
hyper stylized as designed like they all got like face tattoos yeah, and shit that, tribal tattoos must have been hot in 2007 like, like i thought it might be on the verge of overstating and overdoing and it never like it's not exceptional the way they are portrayed or how they look yeah. but it, it's it is it is like it, it's fine only like i wasn't particularly fearful of uh of these i mean garrett headland the lead one he, he, you know he does all right uh he, mm-hmm. and he doesn't overact like he could have like with his eyes and he would have <laughs> growled like there, there could have been a, a movie d- destined for that in this one but uh it's he, he he's more impressive out of the the gang members otherwise you just think of their design and uh, that they're not particularly frightening but uh, the, the movie still rolls on despite all that and it and it goes on dark places in this scene as i'm sure you'll say because mm-hmm. that's it like it leads to with the police being homeless useless it leads to this like horrific home invasion where like this is maybe one of the points like okay the action in the movie is pretty well done but i think i just find it weird the fact that it's kevin bacon doing this stuff like he's went from this like he is this a uh, corporate body mm-hmm. like he's the guy in the suit Next thing we see, he's like channeling his like inner Liam Neeson, Jackie Chan, using his surroundings around him to avoid shotgun blasts. Like he's pulling mm-hmm. carpets, he's kicking doors shut, but he's doing all this with like this jolted expression of fear on his face. Yeah, it's like he's possessed. Yeah, like, it's 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 where that's where the action takes over rather than the thriller aspect, and I think uh, that that's true for the finale as well. Where I think James Wan and guys kind of got preoccupied with uh, making this an action thriller where it should have been just a thriller with violence in it it is super well done like the mm. stunts are excellent and it's again very clearly photographed but um yeah i i, I totally agree and like I, I don't know if you have any any notes of the killing on of the family but yes i never expected it to go for like full family execution well well, well here's where the one of the like worst movie tropes enters but i i I swallowed it and like got on with the movie like garrett headland's uh billy billy darley Mm. or something like that he you know cold bloody cold bloody execute blooded executioner and he shoots uh kevin bacon like in like close to his arm or like the side of his chest and he's one of those killers and this is movie tropes people that does not check that everybody died because if he died we'd have a one hour 10 minute movie on our hands but kevin bacon survives and i thought like this is kind of bothersome but i realized for the sake of the narrative that he's gonna be okay essentially like he's not crippled after being shot or anything like that exactly but but it was kind of like he's one of those killers like who would have shot like the wife three times in the head the kid four times and kevin bacon about eight Ah, just to make a point foot, but it's like yeah i got him yeah. he's not coming back so, so i thought that was like okay i'll swallow it and get on with it mm, yeah. like, in reality they all probably each would have had like a hand grenade stuffed in their mouths yeah, exactly. <laughs> just the pins being pulled as they left the house and set the house on fire and like uh and kill the dog if they had a dog as well like, like they're so bloodthirsty it seems like but uh mm-hmm. they, this one they've messed up big time take the guinea pigs out of the shed outside put them in the living room make sure no witnesses <laughs> yeah. 
and it's even like it's it's not very graphic like they kind of cut away from seeing yes. like the kid kid getting his head um shot off and the wife like it's one of the moments where james Wan turns away from violence it's um, the exact same when like the the elder son's killed at the beginning like yep. i was waiting for like just to see the prosthetic neck and yeah like the the thick dark blood pouring out but it just cuts back to, like kevin bacon like Phil and Pedro in the car, and mm. then just the chaos in the background. It seems like in a, a like a conscious choice, but you mm. uh, after a movie that's been super violent and will be violent with some like splatter like gore at points, you you realize that some moments are quite subdued, Aye. which is you know fine. We realize that they're all they're all dead or one of them, well two of them aren't actually. As a matter of fact, Aye, that, like when he wakes up in the hospital, like we all expected that one. But the fact is, like, ah, your, your kid lived as well. And we're like, what? Like, because I, I'm pretty sure he got properly executed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, maybe be, be because he's not stating it obviously how, how and where that we shot, where shot, that he, you know, James Wan gets away with it, uh, I, I suppose. It, it, it's not a bad, like, it, 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 like, goes into the dramatic territory of this is the sound that doesn't feel as adequate as his elder brother as you said yeah and it leads into you know decent drama and i always admire when monologues are like because he has a monologue with his son son who's in a coma Mm -hmm. and all of that okay i almost admire monologues that are shot without any disruption because kevin bacon is asked to do a good like two three minute monologue with the camera just moving in and but staying away is a good thing. Like it allows you to observe, like a performance that keeps growing and growing, but never to a melodramatic degree. I think he's a veteran to the extent that he knows that enough is enough at a certain point. You know what I mean? He doesn't go like, <laughs> exactly. like I was a bad father, like uh, because that would have taken me out of the movie. But he keeps it <laughs> reeled in, like uh, like I'm I'm not a cold hearted. Yeah. Bastard anything, but I like drama to be subdued most of the time. Like, you can get away with little and achieve a lot of emotional impact, you know. Mm-hmm. So, this obviously becomes a point where he becomes the man that's went over the edge. It's time to settle this gang problem. So, of course, like, he bandages, like, he must obviously just discharge himself from hospital, but is when he's bandaging himself up and we get to see that, that stitching across his skull. Well, his scalp. Yeah, apparently oh, yeah. They, had, they, they had to do, like, um, head surgery despite him being shot um, in the in sides. The yeah. yeah. In the because hip. that's, that's <laughs> like, it. I'm pretty sure he's dead. He was shot in the hip. Like, that, that'll be fine. La, 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 la. We have, <laughs> like, Look, there's blood on the T-shirt. It's like, I but... <laughs> It's not for the middle. We're done here. <laughs> and that was it. When he's like uh, getting changed, we get to see all these, uh, like he had stitches on his stomach, stitches on his chest, and then stitches across his scalp. Yeah. Like, I think they only hit him once. I don't remember the, like, did, did he lose some organs on the way to the hospital? <laughs> he's like, man, uh, with fucking flesh wound to the side, uh, kidneys missing, uh, only one liver. Like, wait a second. This is all done by a gunshot. Yeah, of course. It's a pretty. A uh, <laughs> it's a pretty distinct image, though. I like that. Uh, it's a pretty horrific image. Yes, uh, I. It's like fuck. Like the boy is now on borrowed time. And it's like the thought is right. I need money. I need guns. I 
need information and maybe some paracetamol. Yeah, yeah, he uh, keeps himself uh, drugged up pretty, uh, pretty nicely to to avoid any any pain. And it's kind of where it leads into. I I, I won't speak of the action finale as such, but like it, the movie is absolutely fine and even affecting. And you go, oh my god, that's dark and violent. But you you you're slightly taken out of it, but enough where you notice where it it gets a little bit too big for my taste like like i would have liked a more reeled in uh, vigilante story like he is a flawed and not super technically capable like gun like, like he can't shoot guns very well or anything but like he needs to read the instructions and he kind of just messes about exactly. with the loads them but it, it's it strays where it kind of di- um, disrupted the flow, like I wanted the thriller aspect to remain, and uh, I I wasn't particularly impressed with a with a big like action finale. Uh, but uh, I guess we'll talk about that in a little mm-hmm. bit. Like just before that scene happens, like when he gets his guns, like he ends up meeting with John Goodman to get his weapons, pays them handsomely, and. It's then it's revealed that John Goodman is not only like the boss of Billy, he's also like the father. Mm. And then we've got this theme of like fathers wanting to protect their children. Where Bacon's obviously doing this just to like get revenge for his family, to basically show his son that like he's got nothing to be afraid of. And then we've got the opposite of John Goodman, who knows Bacon's out to kill his son for the the fuck-ups he's done. Mm-hmm. And especially when the younger son... Well, that's it. It's his two boys. Yeah. The one that gets killed by Bacon originally, which is his youngest son, and Billy, the gang leader, also happens to be his other son. And it's, it was just that moment where Goodman basically admit, like, lets Bacon go. Like, if you think I'm going to tell you where they are, fucking jog on. But, like, I know my boys have fucked up. <laughs> They've they've bitten off more than they can chew. Yeah, bacon. Ah. <laughs> like, like, like like a West instant rim shot when you need it. But <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, so I that is it. Like when uh, bacon goes like Rambo, Deathwish, Bronson, like he gets in his fucking car and takes off like to the point where like he he splits a van clean in half. Yeah, yes, that's how it all. Uh, like that is the starts. entrance. Like for a fucking mild-mannered man in a suit, like fucking hell, that took some work to split a van clean in half. It's like, kind of uh, like the the levels they take him to is kind of where they take Bronson to in the Death Wish series. Like, I've never really watched any of those films, but I could imagine. This is probably what he would have been like. Like, like Death Wish Free, which I actually saw for the first time last night, is like, like it doesn't resemble Death Wish One anymore. Like it's uh, it's almost like a shoot 'em up uh, computer game. <laughs> like yeah. it's, it's it's like I, I wrote in my review, like like that I posted on Instagram or whatever. Like De- Death Wish Free is completely irresponsible filmmaking, and I love it because it was <laughs> so like oh they're going like it's it's like a comic book ca- cartoony almost like he just mm. pops people left and right like a Doom game or something. Well, that's it, because this all turns into, like... God, I uh, must have aged myself, like, Doom. Like, (laughs) kids, remember Dune? It's coming back, it's fine. Pretty good. Like, you shoot people first-person perspective. 
Like, they've just advertised like another Doom game coming out, and like it's to the point where they're just calling it Doom. Like, <laughs> well, yeah, that's forget about the rest. This that's is Doom. Not not Doom Beyond or anything like that. <laughs> Doom. Doom again. Right. Um, I guess based on that movie starring The Rock. Yeah, who remembers that <laughs> movie? I, I just hear like everyone wins. Going, oh, come on! Yeah, uh, so uh, I yeah, got to start somewhere. Like Scorpion King and Doom, you got to start somewhere, I suppose. Exactly. And, and then, then you Look become the world's now. most likable uh, and the world's uh, biggest, uh, like, the world's most lovable giant, I suppose. Like, because, yeah, uh, like but by all accounts, The Rock is a really, really nice guy. Yeah, <laughs> so I. I Let's not sidetrack it, but yes, he just seems to be the fucking most genuinely laid-back, coolest cunt in Hollywood. Were you a fan of The Rock? Like, like, I, 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 like, like, I like do a short yeah, was, uh, side was, thing. Exactly, he was always like a big big deal in wrestling and always instantly likeable, the amazing sense of humour. He would always get a laugh. Like, he would always say some funny shit. It and, doesn't matter. Like, exactly, he would take the piss out of fuck and like... You loved him, like, and you would replicate all his lines. You would be taking the piss out of each other in high school, fucking reiterating all that stuff. But I, like, it's just strange seeing him now, like, just seeing this bigger version of himself uh, take over Hollywood, like, uh, hosting Saturday Night Live, and then, uh, I, that was this year. he done Saturday Night Live for maybe the third or fourth time when he finished that, he fucking got in like a helicopter and then flew so he could be at WrestleMania the next morning <laughs> and do this shit. Then he's on a fucking red eye back to the movie set and he's like, he is just like this amazingly positive dude. And like, let's hope we don't find out if any skeletons in his closet. Yeah, exactly. And he would have been miscast in Death Center as like as a mild mannered insurance salesman. And then when he takes his uh, like shirt off, then exactly bl- like like that would have been who oh, does steroids. Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> two hours he goes from like mild mannered to kablooey. Like ah, that could have been a fucking shot where like Kevin Bacon takes all his money at the bank, goes to like a fucking doctor's office, puts money on the table, make me into the Rock, <laughs> then just like a little montage of just. Fucking muscles being shoved under skin. <laughs> and then just The Rock walks out <laughs> and finishes the rest of the movie. But there, there is some cool violence here, though. And uh, again, mix of CG and practical. Like, uh, yes. le- legs are blown off and mm-hmm. heads are like... Uh, like, you got headshots and stomachs being shot open. Fingers. And, and fingers, even. And uh, I'm pretty sure, as we stated, that there, there is a mix of practical and CG. But I am... I was thoroughly impressed even by the end. Like they don't yeah. be, just because they do an kind of over the top action ending for my tastes. The effects doesn't go don't go overboard or anything like that. There's some pretty like you you go ooh, but mm-hmm. because you're with the flow of the movie, you don't sit there like yeah CG 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 CG. Right, oh, it's now just it's over. quick, violent, and it's over. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. Mm-hmm. But but I do like that it actually we. Like it picks itself up by the end. Like uh, again, I didn't dislike this movie, but that there's some ending beats that remains unseen. Like the whole mm-hmm. uh, ending where the both, like the good guy and the bad guy, are both wounded, and you never see the outcome of that scene. And I think that that's where James Wan won me over a little bit. Like because he could have shown a scene where Kevin Bacon puts a bullet into uh, Billy's head, and uh, but 
we we don't we like uh, that scene never concludes before our eyes yeah so i that's it basically that's the film because like after that shot he's basically him flaking out on the couch when he gets home and yeah. he's like ah let's just watch a whole movie or this was left in the player from like his mother, not his mother, his wife and his son sorting mm. through old tapes and DVDs. Oh yeah, that's right, that's right. And, and, and his wife, by the way, that, uh, John Travolta's wife for many years, Kelly Preston. Had a huge crush on her when, uh, uh, back in the day. She's still gorgeous, but like uh, I was yeah. uh, remember that. John Travolta did this crappy like comedy where him and some, his friend were kind of sent to Russia because they thought they were like KGB agents and uh, one of the like women he meets in that movie is Kelly Preston. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I was nine years old and I saw her like, wow, <laughs> woof indeed. Like, uh, so, bork, 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 I, I, bork, 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 <laughs> mom, bork. Like, but yeah, I always had a bit of a crush on Kelly Preston and she still looks uh, good and all of that. And I think they're still married. Mm-hmm. I... She's done well if she's still married to him after all the shit that oh, comes out of John Travolta. The whole weird, weird things with the with the masseuse. <laughs> she makes it, she's a very good beard. Yeah, I that way. So. Yeah, I suppose so. Who knows? But uh, hey, okay. go, 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 you know, good on her. I, I like her in this movie. She 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 does well for the few moments that she she uh, she does get. Obviously, she's mm-hmm. in. It's a it's a supporting role. So yeah. Um. Any. Last thoughts on Death Wish before we move on to trivia. Well, Death well, Wish, yeah, Death well, sentence. I actually have a few things to say about uh, Death Wish in the trivia section, so I, my notes are, are done and over, my friend. Okay, I'm going to just choose a couple terrible trivia notes. Okay, why, because... why are they terrible, Stuart? <laughs> I've not had time to look for the good ones. Uh, let's Fair see. enough. That's <laughs> it. Ah, yes, uh, Garrett Hedlund shaved his head for this role. My. God, what an actor. Really, what? Oh, come on. Um, the courtroom in which the pre-trial hearing takes place is not an actual trial court. Okay, that's fine. Yep. <laughs> that works. Um, Garrett Hedlund gained 20 pounds for the role of Billy Darley. Oh. Ooh, 20. Maybe bulked up because he isn't fat or anything. Like, yeah, so... It's like maybe yeah. bulked up. I don't know. I haven't seen it. Like, like to you who watches more Western movies than I do, uh, from the West, not Western yes. as in cowboy movies. Like, is this a like a, a movie with a with a young cast that everybody knows because they're in everything? Or is it like beyond Bacon and Goodman and maybe Headland? Is this like a like a fairly unknown cast? Do you think, or, or do you recognize everyone yeah, from TV I... and crap? Um, that's, I was looking at the guys in the gang and I thought for some reason I, I kept wanting to p- think of them maybe relating some way into like Sons of Anarchy or something along those lines but there was like no connections mm. like from what I can tell I've not properly like properly looked into it like if these guys are just playing gang bangers in this film they could probably easily fall into like random biker gangs and like have one-off appearances in crime shows, but uh, outside of like our main stars, none, none of them are really. It's good that it's a little bit anonymous. I think uh, when you're not, uh, when it, the recogni- recognition factor is not constantly like ding, 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 then then you like 
uh, then you whiff the movie a little bit more. So so mm-hmm. that's good. Uh, good casting of uh, some young ones and and the veterans. And uh, my last trivia note: uh, they're saying the ending contains several homages to Martin Scorsese's Taxi Driver. Uh, uh, yeah, well, the fingers getting shot and off. Right, right, right. Uh, yeah. Nick being shot in the neck and Nick having to shave his head before the final shootout. Yeah, yeah, I don't remember much from Taxi Driver other than like he wasn't fully shaved. He left there one of those like mohawk, the mohawk yeah, yes. thing, things. Yeah, so it's been a good 10, 15 years since I've seen Taxi Driver. So, mm-hmm. but, but then I can yeah. add my trivia note if you will. Go for it. Uh, this is said to be based on a novel by Brian Garfield which is the novelist behind Death Wish. Mm-hmm. And it's actually, it's supposed to be based on the novel Death Wish 2, this, but, and Death Wish 2, the movie, the 1981 movie with Charles Bronson, was also said to be based on that novel, but neither movie kind of follows the book slavishly. Like they go, it's the vid, it's a vigilante book, but apparently it's that book to an enough extent where they need to write that it's based on this Brian Garfield novel. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so like, if you watch Death Wish 2 and this, like, they're not similar as such. Like, they're vigilante thrillers, and that's absolutely fine. Uh, but, uh, um, yeah, I mean, I I was going to ask you, have you seen any of the Death Wish movies with I'm Charles not, Bronson? No. Um, I think they are widely available, like, streaming online, but there's never been enough for me just to, just to click that button. You know what? I recommend the first and the third just because the third is absolutely insane. It and mm-hmm. the first one actually, I saw it recently. The first one again, it actually is it's a good. It's a good vigilante thriller with some gritty violence and fairly realistic. But it's also it's still controversial because of the thoughts and ideas in terms of taking the law into your own hands. And there's even notions of the city of New York in that case, kind of supporting this that mm-hmm. the bad guys are being shot uh you know, killed off in the third one it's so it, that is the actual thing like paul curse his character charles bronson like he's essentially asked by the police to like uh on the down low take out as many <laughs> bad guys or creeps <laughs> as, as, as such an insane movie it's it's wildly 80s like they try to design these uh the the, the these gangs as really scary by having them essentially painted like uh, native indians <laughs> and it looks so like it, what the main bad guy has a like a conscious like um, he, he shaved his head like on the top of his head but he has hair beside like on the sides and mm-hmm. his face and his paint goes through the shaved parts and stuff <laughs> like that it's such a dumbass movie and like it goes from like reserved violence to just Charles Bronson with machine guns and da, 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 just killing off hundreds of people. It's a fantastically <laughs> fun movie. Like, um, but but yeah, I do recommend the Death Wish one. It's uh, it still is uh, quite effective. And uh, the second one is horrendously violent, but it's effective in its own way. They're very controversial for its time, especially in the UK. They just slashed that mm. movie to death. There's some extended rape scenes and stuff. Oh, oh, in the first one, you can see Jeff Goldblum as one of the creeps who uh, <laughs> beats and rapes uh, like uh, the wife and uh, mm-hmm. the, da- or the daughter rather, of uh, Paul Kersey. So you can see Jeff Goldblum in like creep one role. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so that's cool. Right. A box office and budget. Look up Death Wish. Death Wish. Death. Sentence 
was made for $20 million. Oh, really? Was it that expensive? That kind of surprised me, to be honest. But maybe mm. because of the good effects, and I suppose... And uh, maybe the salary of the actors. I don't know. But did, yeah. it se- like, did it seem to you like such a big budget movie? No, no. Like, maybe half that. Yeah, wow. Like, they didn't need to, there, there was nothing that extensive or... Uh, shots that crazy yeah I mean, uh, so, I mean some good stunts and uh stunt work but nothing that screamed like uh yeah so that, that kind of surprised me but hey mm-hmm. that, that's what it is it, it can you know it shows up on the screen and it's a well-mounted production and all of that mm-hmm. so how much money did you think it took worldwide then do you think uh, it broke 20 million uh no i don't think not not worldwide to be honest it, it, it's too small for that like uh you, you didn't hear of death sentence that year like there was no hype for this so yeah. i'm saying no it pulled in 16.9 million. Yeah. So. Probably under 10 or close to 10 domestically, I, I would guess. Uh, you guess right. 9.5. Yeah. So. It doesn't surprise me because it's one mm. of those movies that kind of, uh, it, it's, seems small and doesn't like have 20 million in advertising behind it or anything. Mm-hmm. So uh, awards, it was nominated for three. Two uh, World Stunt Awards for Hardest Hit and The Best Fight. Uh, lost out on both of those. Uh, hardest Hit went to Hot Rod, the Andy <laughs> Samberg comedy. Right, okay. And Best Fight went to uh, 300, which obviously was quite a big, big film. And of course, uh, the other award was uh, Jordan Garnett, the, the second son was nominated for a Best Young Artist Award. Right on. And he lost to the kid from August Rush. Never heard of him. Yeah, so... Um, Internet's reaction. IMDb rated it 6.8 out of 10, based on 56,690 users voting. Do you think that's fair? Aye. That's it. Close to 7. Like, it, it is kind of... Like... It just surpasses the middle for right. me. Like, it's more than five out of ten if I had to rate it. Yeah, exactly. I agree. Uh, let's see. Rotten Tomatoes. Now, how do you think they rated it out of 100%? This is based on the critics. I think it got. I, thought I, I think I said 60 last time as well. So I'm going to say about. Um, I'm going to say 55 this time. It got 20%. Um, really? Yes, uh, that's that is unfair. That is unfair. Twenty-two fresh reviews to eighty-nine rotten. Wow, that's. I mean, I mean, I'm here not. I'm, I'm not here to question people's taste, but I, I think that's a, <laughs> that, that's a tad unfair. Like twenty percent, it's like close to turkey status. If you got twenty percent, then it's definitely mm. not. Yeah. Uh, so that that gives it. Uh, well, the audience was a little bit different. They rated it sixty-one percent. So they liked it. Yeah. Um, for rotten quotes, there's too many to choose from. Do, I think... do, don't you pick the one that's going to make a pun on the title, like the movie, like like should be death sentenced. Ha ha ha! Like, have you cho- chosen one of those? I, I'm just having a little scan through the page. Let's see. <laughs> uh, Owen Gleiberman of Entertainment Weekly says the morality of revenge is barely at issue in the movie that pushes the plausibility of revenge right over a cliff. Yeah, that's clever. <laughs> like uh, uh, the movie wrote uh, the review for him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Christian Toto of the Washington Times 
This sentence is as grisly and as violent as the trailer pretends. Okay. Um, let's see. A bit confusing. Okay. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Jeffrey Westoff of Northwest. Jeffrey, Herald give us some good stuff, Jeffrey. Come on. Begins promisingly. Uh, begins promisingly. Yeah, yeah, you fucked up, Jeff. You fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. So, AI and real film reviews, uh, the film's schizophrenic nature eventually provides its own downfall. That's fair enough, though. Like, uh, yeah, I, I could see that. Like, yeah. So that's it. Like, it looks like it's not everyone's taste, but what do you expect? It actually, fuck what all they think. It is now time for the five finger film punch. Ken, rate this movie one out of five. I've set been, the internet right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, see, I'm going to be true to your rating system and not do the point five thing. So anything because the three out of five one watch wonder, I think is a, is not like like I watched it twice. So obviously, I I do like it a little bit more. And so I'll, I'll go with the four out of five. But like, if I were to break the rules it would have been in between those you know what i mean like it, yeah. it, it is a I good understand. watch with some flaws that took me out of the movie but not entirely so i'd, I'd give it a four out of five like um if i would buy it if it had like some extras on the disc otherwise I, i'm content mm. with streaming and for me i rate it a steady three out of five right because it's decent but it doesn't warrant a, a rewatch anytime soon so, uh, next time. Oh my god. Okay. Uh, I am now flying blind because Microsoft Word has just crashed. Uh, next time on the Films and Swear Movie Podcast, we will be reviewing the American crime drama Mystic River. Right. Where's the connection there? Is it still Kevin Bacon? or? It is directed by Clint Eastwood. It stars. Sean Penn, Tim Robbins, and Kevin Bacon. There you go, there you go. Like, I thought you were going with a John Goodman uh, connection based on the fact that I went with the Kevin Bacon connection. Like, like, mm. like, like if I... I'm, I'm not going to pick, but uh, if I were to put forth a request, if you ever wanted to connect it to John Goodman, like, go back to King Ralph, dude. Like, that's a fun movie. Like, uh, him and Peter O'Toole and stuff like that. that that's a mm -hmm. fun-ass movie from the early 90s. Yeah, I've, and to be honest, I've never seen it, so I'll keep an eye out for it because right. if it ever shows up, like coming on TV, things like that, I'll give it a chance. Right. Uh, for the the website, filmsofswearing.com, new reviews going on the site this week. Um, got a chance to see Ted 2 over the weekend. I somehow managed to write nearly 700 words about Ted 2. Hateful words or loving words? 50 50. Like, right on. I, I guess a steady, like, 3.5, like, it, it's funny. There's some bits that are silly, but that's what you should be expecting from this type of movie. Well, Marky Marky gets my kind of, uh, like, I don't thoroughly like Marky Mark, but I kind of want to see almost everything Marky Mark is in. And I'm not yes, going to call him Mark Wahlberg ever, <laughs> ever, ever, ever. It's Marky Mark is, to me. Like, this is the guy, like, you could tell he just fucking enjoyed making this film. Like... These types of comedies, I think it's people that have his sense of humour and, like, he could say some, like, gross shit and he knows people's going to like it. Like, th this movie must have been a blast for him to make. Oh, the starring. 
And other than that, we will be putting up our Blu-ray review of Rollerball. Wait a minute, isn't that a super old movie? 1975. Oh, the first Rollerball. I thought you were going with the remake with uh, LL Cool yeah. J and uh, one of the guys from American Pie. I think they did a like a early 2000 remake that yeah, everyone like, forgot yeah. about. I'm positive there is one. Yeah. Right, right. Um, I remember that being a big deal back in high school. <laughs> Look at us now. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, I, I have reviewed the Arrow Blu-ray Special Edition. Right. So that review will be online this week. Uh, other than that, check us out on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash films and swearing. And hit us up on Twitter, uh, twitter.com forward slash FAS podcast. If you want to get socially networked with me. Consensually. <laughs> Ken, you got any plugs? Well, 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 I have a couple of, as you know, Stuart, and some of your listeners might know now. Um, I host a variety of podcasts, mainly focusing on Asian cinema over at the Podcast on Fire Network. We review big Hong Kong movies to lesser Hong Kong movies, smutty Hong Kong movies, and uh, even Japanese and Korean movies. A variety of stuff is there for you to choose from. And that's the podcast network Stuart originated. So I have him to thank for this uh, chance to to head this eventually like uh, <laughs> and he got tired of me eventually obviously and now he had something way better over here so i just uh, got too much to carry <laughs> exactly it's a, it's a it's a it's an endeavor but i, I like doing it so it's podcastonfire.com and uh, i write uh, written reviews over at sogoodreviews.com with a focus on hong kong taiwan more again adult sleazy smutty hong kong movies and ninjas over there it's kind of my special special brew but i i i watch pretty much uh, anything over there so you can pick and choose so uh so good reviews.com and podcastonfire.com and uh, social media links are available on those various sites there you go so uh with without any further ado check out mystic river to be up to date for next week's podcast and uh ken listeners that boy that's sitting on the bus getting his morning commute. You driving the car with your e sick, fuck off and tune in next week. That's a rather mind like fuck off. <laughs> like jolly good old fella. Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> see you. Fuck off. I don't want to see you for another week. Goodbye.